Welcome to another episode of our conversation on Giants in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Megan and joining me for this series is the always cool under pressure, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) And this episode is going to look at the most Viking-esque creatures in the monster manual, Frost Giants. But before we get started, Casey, you're originally from the frozen windswept plains of Canada, so do you have any advice for Dungeon Masters about what to include in an Arctic campaign? Include wind chill. Snowmobile. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely the snowmobile. Always account for wind chill and modes of transportation on ice. (laughs) Very, very, very fucking fair. Um, all right, so let's, let's just get into it, my friend. So we're going to start off with a couple of things of like items and things that giants tend to have. So one of the things that's mentioned within the books, let me just grab this guy here, um, is that they do carry a giant's bag. Basically a giant on the move carries a satchel, carries a bag. And the reason why I bring this up is because frost giants tend to not have crops. They don't grow things. They don't eat vegetables. They don't keep cattle. They don't, they, they only, they eat what they hunt immediately. They don't house things. So they're constantly on the foraging and the finding, shall we mm-hmm. say. So mm-hmm. I bring up a frost giant or just a giant's bag in general, because they tend to carry one around that requires them and holds all the things that are required for what they need. Right. <laughs> so they keep like their, their bear skins, they keep their skinnings, like their meats, their anything that they have that's cured. They'll keep within these bags. Uh, they'll keep firewood. They'll keep other things that are required for their survival shall we say. It's one of those things where like, it's a giant. So it's not a purse, you right. know, like, sorry, it's like, sorry. It kind of <laughs> is like a purse because I feel like every female purse, like female identifying purse is filled with, or it's a mom's bag. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I take that back. It's a mom bag. <laughs> it just filled with all of the bullshittery you can imagine. It's got snacks. It's got bottles. It's got diapers. It's got like all the things that you need to survive in a day. Right. And so if you were playing the game that typically is forced upon people at, like, baby showers or whatever, where, like, let's list and get points for what's in your bag, like, Frost Giant wins it all. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they would because they are the survivalists of the group. Like, Like, (laughs) whatever you need, they fucking got it. No, doesn't matter how obscure it is, they've picked it up. I would love a, like, a cloud giant who just carries, like, a small, like, stylized bag (laughs) To, like, rock up to a frost giant who has a fucking, like, backpack of shit and be like, what's that small bag you have there? What can you fit in that? A fucking lipstick? Like, you know, like... (laughs) Exactly. It's like how women's pockets either don't exist at all or the size of, like, two knuckles. Like, I just don't understand why we even have pockets. Why are they there? Why why do we have them? I feel like that's the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anywho, so I'm also going to go over a couple of really cool uh, magical weapons or things that are either inspired by giants or actually designed to kill giants. So um, one of my favorite ones is the Belt of Giant Strength. And the only reason why I say it's one of my favorites is because actually one of my characters has this and wears it. So basically it does require attunement. It is a rare item and it grants you the strength of a giant, basically depending on the type of giant that you have. So it'll, if it's the a hill giant strength, it'll be a 21, but it can go all the way up to a storm giant with a strength of 20 fucking nine. Woo! Right? Yeah. So, Fuck but the, the rarity of the item increases based on what giant you're running with, right? Okay. Another item that's inspired by giants is the potion of giant strength, which is basically the same thing, 
but it is just an effect that lasts for an hour. Right. So again, one of my characters does carry this. Um, in fact, my monk character that you are very well aware of, Casey, carries a few yes. of these. I think I gave you one. Yes. So, but it was one of the items that I chose at the beginning of the game and have not had to use yet. Yeah. Multiples are great. Multiples are great. Um, and then we'll get into a couple of giant slaying items, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So this one's called the Dwarven Thrower. Like, yeet all around. But all I can think of is throwing dwarves. Yes. You know what I mean? But that's not what this I is. I know. So <laughs> you just think of a giant, like, grabbing the top, like, the like the the scalp, shall we say, yeah, of a dwarf and, and then just, yeet. like, lofting over. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> this guy, it also does require attunement, but it can only be used by a dwarf, which is why it's called the Dwarven Thrower. So with this a magical weapon, you get a plus three to attack bonus and damage rolls, and it can be thrown or used as a melee. And then if you are attacking a giant, it gets extra damage. Um, and if you're throwing it and, and attacking, you get extra damage as well. And then it actually returns to your hand when it's done. So this to me is Thor's hammer, but without the lightning. Yeah, right? absolutely. All right. Then we have the giant slayer, which is basically you get a plus one to attack and damage rolls. If you hit against a giant, you get extra damage, um, but they have to succeed on a strength saving throw or get knocked prone. Mm -hmm. But again, this is all against just giants. Otherwise, it's just a plus one to attack or damage rolls. These right. extras are if you are specifically fighting a giant. The next one is the hammer of... Ha hammer. Hammer. The hammer. No, it's the hammer of thunderbolts. Uh, so this gives you a plus one to attack and damage. However, comma, if you have the belt of giant strength and the gauntlets of ogre power, you can mm -hmm. attune to all of them. You gain something called Giant's Bane, which increases your strength score to four. Um, st sorry, strength score by four. And if you get a nat 20, so crit, to attack, they must succeed on a con saving throw or just straight up die. Holy fuck. <laughs> just straight up fucking die. It's so like, <laughs> you see, it's like, let's try this. Boop. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, let's try this. And fucking TPK. <laughs> so you do, like, have to, you, do have to, you have to crit with it. Like, right. And, and not just like your 19 or 20 crit if you're a fighter or what have you. It has to be a 20. It specifically says you have to roll a 20. Right. So it's a crit crit. So one roll to rule them all. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we'll move into a couple of sentient items, which have a couple of really cool, like, uh, little backstories to them. So there's Wave, which is basically a trident. Um, basically, the uh, Wave trident was forged in something called the Thunderforge, where a family of storm giants was once imprisoned. Clever. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically, it is forged against a rebellion against that god, X, Y, Z. So it has a really good attachment to storm giants. Then there's Whelm, which is a powerful, basically, warhammer that was lost in a dwarven dungeon and then can telepathically speak to its wielder, uh, but it can only understand dwarvish, giant, and goblin. Hmm. So it can only really understand giants or dwarves. So I'm thinking this is kind of like your, your fire giant slash kind of, kind of weaponry here. And then there's Waith, which is a sentient greatsword that ha was once wielded by a great cloud giant, like ambassador at one point, and is very much, weirdly enough, personality-wise, a strong believer in people living out their lives as they see fit, and is very protective and loving of its friends. Oh, Isn't that the cutest fucking thing you've ever heard? <laughs> it's just like, here I am. Like, let's, 
Let's attune, but I love you. But we're friends. We're, this is my community. I feel like this is the sentient sword version of your current cleric <gasps> yes, character. Yes, it is, Zenti. Let's make a community. We're making a family. <laughs> we're going to do a family is what we're going to do. <laughs> I love it. So, Casey, out of those weapons, we've got the Belt of Giant Strength, the Potion of Giant, uh, the Potion of Giant Strength, Dwarven Thrower, Giant Slayer, Hammer of Thunderbolts, Wave, and Whelm, and Waif. Which do you feel is one you would love to use in a campaign? So fun. Um, man, so time, all of them, so timely. I would say as a DM, you could introduce the magic items like Belt of Giant Strength, Potion of Giant Strength earlier, depending on the ability and level of your group. I think you could roll into the other ones. I think if you have a brand new party, um, and speaking from experience, Way back in the day when I was a new party member, mm. if the DM threw too intense of magic items or sentient items at me, I would be like, oh, that's amazing. It looks wildly, like, intense. I'm just going to put that in my bag of holding and then never use it. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> it's like... Thank you. It's like, okay, great. And I don't know when or how to use this. So I'm just going to put it away in my pocket. Um, and so I feel like you need to time when you might add these because they're like wickedly good. Yeah. But you need to time it with the level of your, of your players. Yeah. Um, but oh my gosh, Hammer of Thunderbolts, amazing. Belt of Giant Strength, amazing. Especially if you're going head to head with something that is just way too big and your party is just floundering. Like, boom. Yeah. You got got it. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. No, very fair, fair, fair. I, I agree. I feel like I've had, and I play characters that do have sentient weapons, but I do it specifically for a role-playing purpose. I remember when I first started playing with you folks, I started with a sentient sword. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I did was so I would have something to talk to because I didn't really know if I could talk to you folks because I didn't know who you were. Right. Yeah, I told I was totally reminded of that. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, and I, again, I did that because I was like, I don't know if I can communicate with these folks yet. I played one D&D game with you, and now I'm going to be playing in an every Sunday for two years campaign with you yep. folks. I would like to have something that I can engage in a storyline with with my DM if I don't quite get along with the characters or the players at the table. It's kind yeah. of, it was a fail safe for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a as a very like clever player character trait, and for Megan. Yeah. Uh, for Megan. Yeah. For Megan. For Megan's around the <laughs> and world. And little did you know, we are awesome. Yeah, you're all quite wonderful. <laughs> I'll give you that. All right, and with that, let's start talking about Frost Giants. Before we do, what are we drinking? <laughs> but wait. <laughs> but wait. There's more. <laughs> all right. So Frost Giants. You know, thinking. Well, icy, you know, winter, the throes of what, how can, how can we emulate the true frostiness that giants are? And a, a Canadian twist. A Canadian twist. <laughs> what are we drinking? Let's Casey? bring in ice wine. Because why the fuck not? Because it's dainty as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it is dainty. It can be very overpriced, but you can find some for 20 bucks. Around that. Ish, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 20 to 30 bucks, no big deal. Um, so today we're going Canadian Okanagan Valley Paradise Ranch ice wine. It's based on a Merlot. Okay, so it's like here. a red, isn't it a red ice wine? Or is it, ooh. It's a, ooh, it's got a that's bit a of nice a color. Wait, where's my glass? Oh, there I go. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that's like a, it's like a nice amber color. It smells very yeah. sweet. This is gonna be like drinking Super syrup, sweet. isn't it? Yeah, syrup, dessert. We're getting cheers. dessert today. We need to cheers that a little bit stronger. Louder? There we go. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's sweet. That's oh, yeah. like that's like some maple fucking syrup right there, yep. Maggie. <laughs> yep. If you were like, I do not like maple syrup, give me something else as a dessert. This is it. Yeah, just drink this. Yeah. It's delightful. Love it. So good. Yum. That's actually really good. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Very dangerous. Yeah. All right. So with that, let's talk about Frost Giants. So I mentioned these are actually my favorites. Why, you ask? Because, Yay. again, they are the most Viking-esque of the Giants, and I love that about them. So. so good. I Yeah, I'm so excited about today. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a great, great conversation. So as mentioned, they do live far away in frozen lands where survival is built on raiding and pillaging. So as I mentioned before, we kind of talked about the items that giants would carry around with them in general. I feel like frost giants are the ones they're going to be carrying around more because they are just traveling, raiding, pillaging, stealing what they can, taking whatever items from whatever village they've raided. So they're constantly carrying around so many fucking items. Yeah. Right? They're like a, a traveling hoarder. Yeah. So like killing a frost giant on like a, a, just a random path somewhere, if you loot a fucking frost giant, there's mm-hmm. going to be some shit there, man. Yeah. Some real shit. Yeah. Like yeah. settle in. We're talking about this for an hour at least. Yeah. <laughs> but because they're constantly raiding and pillaging, I, I feel like visually they are rough and tough skilled fighters who pride themselves in their battle scars and their war stories. You know what I mean? So I feel like these are the folks that you will see carving runes into their skin to imbue themselves with more strong and like visually frightening characters. So physically mm-hmm. they actually have beards and hairs that are made of icicles. They have blue, whitish pale skin. Like I if you watch Game of Thrones, yeah. they're they're the night walkers. Like yeah, they're like so good. However, like I feel like it would be very difficult to lay eyes on one though. Because one of their tactics when they do their raiding and pillaging is they will do it by the cover of a fog or ice storm. Mm-hmm. So you will have a nice thick fog roll through your village. And then all of a sudden when the fog clears, the village is destroyed. That's the imagery yeah. that I have in my head. Like horror movie central. 100%. <laughs> like this is nightmare fucking fuel is what yeah. this is. Uh, so basically meaning that if you live in a village and suddenly you're covered in fog, I'd worry a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so in fact, they do actually revere that and cherish that strength above all else puts them where they are within the ordning. So much how like we have the intelligence and structure of like the storm which puts them all the way, they're the tallest, they're like X, Y, Z, they're the top of the ordning. Cloud giants are the next because they rule over the world. They have the higher intelligence, they communicate better. And then we have the fire giants who we talked about in the last episode who are where they're at, not because of their height, but because of their artisan skills and their ability to fight. Mm -hmm. Um, The next is the frost giants because they are brutal fighting brutes, right? But not necessarily the most intelligent, even though they're kind of like the next tallest on the tall line. Right. Just super strength, super con, and can force their way through a lot. Yeah. Like, in fact, um, they if they meet a new frost giant that they've never met before, they will fight. Just, just to, to see who's better. <laughs> it's like, let's measure up. Yeah. And instead of a dick measuring contest, it's like, let's wrestle until one of us gives up. Right? We don't roll for dick size. We roll for pinning. Right. <laughs> yeah. And how many times you can be pinned, shall we say. Um, also because they are reliant on the nature around them, as I've mentioned before, they do not keep crops. They don't grow food. They don't keep cattle. They don't like, they just don't do any of the farming bullshittery. Mm-hmm. They literally just survive off what they can hunt, kill and eat in the moment. So because of that, they tend to wear skins, pelts, bones, whole nine yards, right? In fact, the greatest treasure is the skulls of dragons. Oh yeah. Which I know is your favorite. <laughs> 
you love a good skull dragon. Yeah. yeah. Or dragon skull. My jam. And it is believed to be the highest honor to just wear or bode anything that is of dragons that they've killed, shall we say. Okay. Um, and then um, if they are wielding specific armor or weapons, it's because they were pillaged, not because they were built or forged or what have you. They, okay. They don't have those relationships with other giants to, to forge them weaponry, X, Y, Z. If they did, it would probably be super fucking special. They're very like, we can live on our own. We don't need your bullshit. Yeah. Like scavenging to the nth degree where they just upgrade, upgrade as they go along. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like because they're so highly that like strength is the most important thing in the world. This is like a good challenge for your barbarian or fighter of the group. Kind of like how I said in the previous episodes where if you show your strengths, they might be willing to keep you around. Mm -hmm. If you can kill a frost giant, I don't think they would be mad at you. It would be like, wow. They'd be like, fuck, this bitch is the best. Yeah. You are now one of us. Cool. You can rough and tumble with us. So this would be a fun thing for your barbarian fighter to kind of like show off a little bit. Yeah. If they can actually murder someone or like go toe to toe with a frost giant without dying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it might not even take to the death. It could be that like lasting X amount of rounds or knocking the frost giant down to a certain amount of HP where then the frost giant as the DM goes like word amazing word like (laughs) like let's take a pause I'm now imagining that their dialect is very surfer-esque word dude no it's very Canadian yeah Yeah. oh you're gonna go for a rubble tumble here today bud (laughs) yeah it's like oh smarts across the face oh like, mm, okay, I see what you're doing. <laughs> Love that for us. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry, Adam. Sorry. Sorry to the world, because now every time you have a frost giant, you have to do it with a Canadian accent. But yeah, like, props to you, and like, then maybe they, then it might prompt them to be like, okay, let's talk. Although, yeah, language. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fucking love it. Otherwise, uh, because they are raiders, obviously they take stuff. So we talked about how they tend to like collect items. They tend to have two terms for the use of items that they have raided and stole. One is rod, R-O-D, it's spelled R-O-D, but it's pronounced red. Mm. And then kivit, which mm. they did not give me a pronunciation for. I like how they gave me a pronunciation for rod versus red, but they did not give me a pronunciation for kivit. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, great. Well, or the K sound, and it's V. <laughs> but red being the more animalistic or organic item stole. So, like, let's say it's like this is your dragon skull, your teeth, your bones, your flesh, your meats, etc. Mm-hmm. And then uh, kvit or vit is basically going to be your materialistic items. So such as your golds, your weapons, your armor. And also much like other giants, frost giants do keep pets. They actually keep polar bears or large frosty creatures. Okay, but the coolest thing is that they keep is the remoras, which uh, is they actually train them from eggs and hatchlings. Because you can't train one when it's already an adult. It'll say, fuck you. Yeah. And it will eat you and it will bite you. So they actually steal the eggs and hatch them and then train them from birth. Can you imagine accidentally (laughs) killing a frost giant's pet that it has had since it was a hatchling? Oh my gosh. The best segue into a multi-year campaign because you have a frost giant on your heels while you're trying to do whatever the else fuck you were supposed to do because you fucking killed their pet. It's a frost giant's villain origin story. Yeah. Like, this is your John Wick of frost giants. Yeah. You killed its dog. You oh know? my god, it is! 
<gasps> Bacon! I will never look at John Wick the same! It's just an angry frost giant. You killed my dragon. Prepare to die. Yeah. Don't fuck with family, but you fuck with pets? Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. Alright, so, Casey, what is your favorite part of these? What is something you would love to utilize in a campaign? What is your favorite? I, I have to be reminded a lot of Game of Thrones, because there mm. was just, like, like ice, like, the vast, like... Undead ice army. Yes. Like, like the north of the wall. So good. Yeah. I love, I loved all of it. But just the, the, and there's a little bit that reminds me of Lord of the Rings, too, just with kind of the, the simplicity of how they operate, too, is a little bit like, um, like, not Urukai, but orcs and goblins where it's like you see something get killed and if you gave a shit about it it's just like no you didn't and then there's that like (laughs) rage or that like wrath that becomes the party that caused it yeah so i love that about them that no they might not have a lot of like spell casting and cleverness about it but they have extremely high values yeah and use their strength to their advantage and can royally fuck you up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a key thing to remember is that these, in my mind, are the first one that we've covered that are legitimately forwardly aggressive. Mm-hmm. I know that the um, fire giant was the next closest, but as we talked about, fire giants kind of had the balance where they had an artisan artistic side. Mm-hmm. So they would want to have a conversation about what you're wearing. Yeah. A frost giant would be like, I would like to take your skin. Yeah. And wear it. <laughs> As a helmet. Yeah. Like, there's no tactic involved or, like, stay the course because this is, like, how it's playing out. It's just, like, you wronged me, you you killed my pet or whatever you did, like, wrath be upon you. Yeah, you breathed on me. Yeah. I will kill you. Yeah. 100%. I love it. Um, and then, as we've talked about before, there are some points of interest, like, the, which is the god that they, they do, Casey? It's, um, remind me. Uh, Thrym. Thrym. So, Tell me about Thrym. So, you can read a lot more about this in Volos, but basically, it's might. Like, Frost Giant Ordning, might. So, Thrym's Frigid Might is the story of the rivalry between Thrym and twin brother Surtur, who sounds familiar because it's from last episode. Yep. Basically trying to gain Anam's pride and affection. So yeah. competing with each other, trying to outbest each other, gain that thing. You know, family dynamics. Complicated. Always. And so as such, you'll always see Thrym with a group of frost giants because he gets he he gets the followers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he is such a mighty kind of force that people will follow and then um, basically, I will throw down with you. Like, wherever you go, I will go. And so that's how he gets people to side with him is, like, the all might. Yeah, the connection part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that will go against, like, things that are just anything that Thrym might feel is an opposition worthwhile fighting and then it absolutely falls down to dragons yeah yeah it always comes back to dragons yeah always always the dragons yeah and the interesting thing is thrym has beat surtur or others in battles of might which gave him a lot of respect so that's how he gets a following but anam always has reverted back to surtur because of his craft like we talked about in the fire giant episode where he has the best forge with the most amazing weaponry. Fair enough. So it's like no matter how great Thrym does with might, which is very strongly a giant's like attribute as worth, Yeah, it's still not quite enough. So it 
creates that dynamic and separation where frost giants are like, I respect your might. I will follow you versus Sir. Yeah. yeah. So now that we've kind of talked about the brothers in the sense that they're like, they sound very similar in the sense of what they're looking for, but they are still quite different. Again, this is very much the Loki and oh, so much <laughs> brotherly fight, right? Yeah. Like one is always going to be the apple of the eye of the father. And the other one is going to be like the trickster and the one. Anyway, so mm-hmm. like, it, it does fit quite well. Do you feel like you would want to use that dynamic in a campaign more now that you've kind of read about both? Yeah, I think it's an interesting twist, especially if you have a adventuring group with different dynamics like that. Like you have a rogue trickster and you have a mighty barbarian. Yeah. They may be at odds because they will resonate with two different angles of the giants that they might encounter. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I would really love to utilize them in a campaign a little bit more. If anything, just to watch them fight each other in front of the group, right? (laughs) Yeah. Such a good dynamic. Like, imagine navigating through some sort of terrain on the road again, which I love. Your favorite and, thing. <laughs> and then in the middle of night, somebody rolls really poorly, and then you just come across a giant fight yeah. between these twin brothers, and you're not necessarily involved, but you have to navigate through it yeah. and try and, like, retain your party or any other NPCs that are with you. But you're battling this wrath between Thrym and Surtur. I think it would be really cool. It just becomes like yeah. a large family counseling session. Yeah. 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 Angling towards like Lord of the Rings where like the mountains fight each other while they're navigating through the cliffs. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool. I love it. Well, with that, let's dig into the stats of what a frost giant actually is. So much like we do, let's dig into the numbers. So frost giants, as per usual, they are huge creatures. They do stand 23 feet tall. So these are just under the um, cloud giant. So right now for height wise, we're going storm giant, cloud giant, and now we're at frost giant. Um, They do wear patchwork armor. So they do have an AC of 15. Again, they wear their furs, their pelts, their bones, etc. They're not wearing real armor. Again, if they're wearing real armor, it's because they stole it and it happened to fit. Or in my mm-hmm. mind, it's really tiny and it looks stupid. <laughs> Whatever they want to do. And it doesn't really do anything, right? Um, because of their height, in my mind, they can run up to 40 feet. So we're back to a slightly faster pace. Um, again, I feel like that's because of the light armor and the fact that they have a longer stride than a regular human being. Obviously, strength and constitution are their two top traits and are very skilled in athletics and perception. They're obviously immune to cold. And this is one of the ones that can only speak giant. So once again, they don't speak common. So if you do happen to come across the brothers who are bickering and fighting with each other, you're probably not going to understand what they're fighting about Mm -hmm. unless you have someone that understands giant. Yeah. And they're not going to hear you because you are teeny tiny. You're teeny tiny. (laughs) And you're in the, like we talked about The high-pitched voice range that they can't hear. And the room's like, hey! No, they don't know. Hey, guys, can you, like, stop fighting? Because, like, it's just really causing a problem for everybody around. do not acknowledge it. Yeah, like, fuck you. Get out of my fucking face. Um, So these ones carry great axes, which can be wielded twice with a plus nine to hit. That's a 3d12 plus six for damage. And, of course, they throw rocks. Fucking rocks. Yeah. So then interesting, we've talked about rocks quite a bit in the last couple episodes. So another thing to add to rock throwing is technically as you look at the um, hierarchy of the um, the giants themselves, the, the ability to hit and the damage gets lower the further down you get. Okay. So a storm, rock, a storm giant's rock is going to hurt you more than a frost giant's rock. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. Which which is interesting because you can okay, so you can play it in as a DM because you can be like you can be more nonchalant about the rock hucking if you're playing a frost giant versus sword giant. You can be more like a skipping the rock on the river, like watch out. I like the nonchalant about yeah. rock throwing. Super nonchalant. To to align with the less accurate strike. But it's still a fucking car-sized rock. That's coming flying at your face. Absolutely. Um, So with that, that's the stat block for the regular frost giant. There is a special frost giant. Casey, do you want to tell us about that? Of course there is, Megan. Always. So, everlasting one. You can read a lot more about this in Volos. As with Thrym, it's all about strength and might. So chaotic evil, not super high AC, but higher than average speed, um, 40 feet. So a little bit faster than your typical party. Mm -hmm. Um, Has some really cool cool traits. So how might a frost giant (laughs) become an everlasting one, Megan? How does that happen, Casey? (laughs) Are you going to tell me? Oh, yes, I will tell you. It's nothing more than a frost giant just eating a fucking troll. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, and as we know, trolls have regenerative properties. Yeah. So, yeah, you eat a troll, you fucking get some regenerative properties. Great. So, regeneration, the bane of so many encounters. A party throws everything they fucking have at something, and then it comes their turn and they regenerate HP. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> It's the most frustrating thing as a player, I will say that. Yeah. Most rewarding thing as a DM, though. Yes. Yeah. Glorious. So, regains HP at the start of its turn, unless, this is the the hiccup with Frost Giant Everlasting One, is if it's acid or fire damage. Okay. So, again, as players, like, clue into what is impacting the Frost Giant, especially if if you don't realize it's an Everlasting One, Mm -hmm. because then it can give you an advantage if you know what's going on there. Secondly, is there an interesting ability to have more than one head? Yes. Okay. Head. Um, Fair. There is a 25% chance of that, and if so, not surprisingly, they have advantage on perception and saving throws that are wisdom-based. Double, double. So. And most giants tend to have a pretty high perception, is what we've kind of... Yes, generally. Yeah, established yeah. already. They might not be smart but strong, or vice versa, but um, yeah, perceptive. the perception's always quite good. Yeah. So that's a super interesting thing, and I think DMs could play a lot into that, especially if players don't know anything about frost giants. Like, bring one out with two heads. Yeah. Thirdly... Not surprisingly, when we're really leaning into brute strength and might is rage, mm-hmm. like classic. So we we covered like the aspects of um, Cloud Giant being like rogue style rage, barbarian. So Vaprax rage is Vaprak. Can we say Vaprak? Vaprak. 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 Um, so everlasting one can rage as a bonus action. So think. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. That sounds like a song. We're going we're going there. Yeah. 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 And it recharges after short and long rest. Lasts for a minute. It gains advantage on strength checks and saving throws. Uh it gets plus four to melee weapon attack and damage. And it's and resistant to basically everything. Bludgeoning, yes. piercing, <laughs> and slashing. Yeah. Holy shit, Casey. Yeah. So just a giant raging. 
Like, what what do you do with that? You so, run away. <laughs> you run away. Yeah. So incredibly cool and can just elevate itself by using all of these extra abilities. If you really piss it off, I mean, you're fucked. Yeah, I feel like this is the one that if you see it, you run away. Yeah, especially yeah. if it looks mad. Yeah. Yeah, and of course you get multi-attacks along the way. Um, and can't forget it, it fucking throws rocks. <laughs> they always throw rocks. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, otherwise, in other campaigns, you will see, as we've spoken before, you will see frost giant servants or frost giant younglings within the Tales of the Yawning Portal or even within um, Storm King's um, Thunder. Thunder, yeah. And as always, Wizards of the Coast does recommend that you utilize the Hill Giant's stat block. And then for these ones, you would just say that they are immune to cold. Mm -hmm. So similar to the Fire Giant's, they don't have any magical capabilities. They don't have anything worth really keeping, even if they're younglings or what have you. So they will utilize just the fact that they're immune to cold, um, but then use the hill giant stat block. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so between the regular frost giant and our special friend, the frost giant everlasting one, um, and some younglings, what would you decide to use within a campaign, Casey? <laughs> I feel like I'm always the one that's like, go big or go home. Maybe. 100%. I feel like this is really well in your wheelhouse. I'm like, go it all. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> who doesn't want a two-headed, fucked up frost giant lumbering at you that then just like emulates some sort of anger and says like, I would like the rage. <laughs> These are the ones that have big dick energy that they can follow through. Yeah, they absolutely can. And they have a height advantage versus fire giants. That's true. So it's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, because if you remember, um, fire giants are 18 feet. These ones are 23 feet. Yeah. So they've got a solid human size between them. Right. So they can kind of go, like, pat the fire giant on the head and be like, oh, you're so cute. How and cute then, are you? <laughs> Do you think that frost giants and fire giants are friends? No. Absolutely not. I would agree that they're not friends. No, they make, like, I don't vibe with you. I feel like fire giants would make fun of the fact that they don't have real armor. Yeah. And they're using, like, hand-me-down weapons. Mm-hmm. And then the, fire, the frost giants are like, okay, but I will twist your head off. Yeah. Like, I will kill you. Yeah. Like. And I can't hear you from way up here. Yeah, I can't hear, I can't hear you. I'm in the clouds. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're so short. Sorry, let me bend down. <laughs> let me take a knee. Yeah, so I can hear you better, you fucking oh, minion. You fucking minion. Yeah. I love it. All right, with that, let's talk about some famous giants. Some famous frost giants, shall we say. Mm -hmm. What do we got, Casey? <laughs> love this. Oh, man. Okay, so diving, like you said, totally into Norse and Danish, like, just that whole history. I love it. Jarl? Jarl? Jarl. 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 Jarl Storvald. Yeah. Um, Storm King Thunder. So, yes, Norse or Danish chief which is what Jarl means. Mm -hmm. So Jarl has a lodge and sails a ship called uh, Krigvind. Um, this is all under like Storm's King Thun Storm King's Thunder. And he has a crew and he does actually have spellcasters ability and pretty good wisdom and charisma for a frost giant. Uh, he is one of the few... That does speak common, and he also speaks giant owl. The giant owl is weird. However, yeah. the um, speaking common kind of does make sense to me, because if you are a Jarl and you are traveling and raiding and pillaging, you would probably eventually pick up languages. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, especially if you have a ship. Yeah, 100%. 
And going way back to talking about generally giants having pets or having um, beasts that they kind of control or manage along their way as bodyguards or as other, you did mention uh, giant owls at that time. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that maybe they lean towards giant owls as their, like, pets or comrades. Fair enough. Yeah. You can speak to them. Yeah. Yeah. So Jarl has advanced along it far enough that he now speaks giant owl for communicating with a potential giant owl. Can you imagine that he has giant owl, like, army? Yeah, like, like amazing. That'd be dope. Yeah, and I would lean into that, <laughs> especially just because I love having all of the extras in DMing. Yeah. So I would be like, okay, you come across if a, an adventuring party had to interact with, with Jarl, we would have a forest scene where the party would be navigating through and then come across like a whole family of giant owls. Yeah. <laughs> but and that would be the intro. Of, but that's the army. Yo, Casey, I love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So good. Um, so very cool character, um, I think could come into play in a lot of different angles, especially if you're a seaworthy party adventuring. Yeah. Then you, you get the angle of that. Yeah, your pirate, your pirate theme campaign. Yeah. Like one of these days you might come across the Jarl. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, and then there's also Harshneg. Harshneg, the Grim. Um, seems to come up also in various adventures, so maybe a good character that you could bring in if you felt the need to bring in a Frost Giant. Okay. Um, is considered, like, legendary, so you could also tease him into the campaign by, like, name-dropping or bringing him in with other conversations that the players might have. He's like the big, big bad chief you will never actually meet, but yeah. you're constantly meeting, like, his subordinates or X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. everybody is aware of him, and yeah. Yeah, Um. Sure. So, is also chaotic good, so not necessarily just if you come across him you're gonna die, but, like... He's legendary. Well, he's probably a conqueror of some kind, so he has an innate nature to understand that conversations need to occur whether I need to decide to kill you or not. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And because of that, and because of his legendary status, he does actually carry quite a bit of, like, history and lore that he might share with people who he deems worthy. So he could be a really interesting character, even if it's not pertaining to frost giants, but just giants in general, if an adventuring party needs more information, you could bring him in as a fun quirk to gain some more insight. Yeah. Because he is chaotic good, he also is opposed to evil giants. And we've talked a lot about different evil giants. Yeah. So actually he would go against them. So I think he could be a great ally, and again, he could be the style of going against and seeing, like, this battle royale going on with evil evil um, giants or other characters against him. Yeah. So, you feel like any, I feel like this is the one that, um, if anyone worshipped the fire giant god, um, Sur Surtur, mm -hmm. then they would be against them. Yeah. Because that to him is the evil, right? Because if we talk about the war between Surtur and the brother Thrym, Thrym. Yep. I feel like that's a good tie-in. Yes, cool. absolutely. So again, it's just like you can't judge per se one way or the another. It's going in that same like dynamic of good versus evil. Yeah. And in true character, he wears the skull of a white dragon. Or I guess way too classic <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Yeah. See, hashtag or <laughs> hashtag acronorexius because I feel like <laughs> 
She didn't know she wasn't the first, but come on, wearing the skull of her master. I didn't know how deep this would go. I love that you gave her her own hashtag, Akra. Yes, I did. It's um, in my notes. But if people like type it out anywhere, it's going to go nowhere. Yes. <laughs> it's like no one knows about this. It's like, this I do. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So cool. I love it. Even though, yeah, the whole dra- Dragonborn, like, yeah, won't yeah. work. But love it. Um, and one other thing that's really cool about um, Harshnag the Grim is that he uniquely has legendary resistances, which mm-hmm. don't come up as often. Sure. Um, and it's simply that he can decide to succeed instead of fail on a saving throw. Yeah. But sometimes that can be game changing if you're actually going up against him in battle. Yeah. Um, that can be the difference between a TPK and fucking him up. Yeah, very true. So, yeah, like, I thought he was a really, really cool character, and I would love to play into um, different characteristics he has because he's actually aligned good. Because he's not specifically linked to any particular adventure, if you're following any of the, the, the books, modules and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I think you could loop him in a bit better. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Great. So between those two, so between you, the Jarl mm-hmm. or Harshnig. Which one would you want to use more? I I would lean Harshnig. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about you? Um, I would go Jarl. But, mm-hmm. like, I feel like Harshnig is great because, again, to your point, you can fit them into anywhere. You could just be doing a pirate campaign. You sail too close to the north. You come across this fucking giant Norse ship. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, well, I want to turn around. But it, it can probably see you before you saw it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so I think that's a really good, cool tie-in to have that conversation. Because, again, they have a charisma and wisdom, like, upping so they, they can have the conversation. But I, I like the Jarl in the sense where they're just, like, this unknown chieftain mm-hmm. that doesn't that exists but doesn't exist. And, I, like, I would want to tie into that. And the fact that he can spellcast as well, I think, mm-hmm. is really cool. So... All right, so looking at everything Frost Giants, so talking about just regular Frost Giants, the Frost Giant Everlasting one that we talked about earlier, a couple of the famous um, Giants we've talked about. Casey, what is your favorite combat inspiration that you would give players and or DMs? I think if you navigate and circling back to terrain... Too. Yeah. Like okay, if yeah. it absolutely if you are navigating your group through any sort of colder, frigid, like mountainesque area. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a realm of of the world you're working in that's cold, but you know, going to really high elevation or just finding the appropriate terrain to bring these in, I think is important to make the the situation makes sense. Yeah. And I think you could play into so many different angles with this. You could even come across like a hobo of a frost giant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking, you're lost, navigating. Lost a fight, got <laughs> kicked out of his clan. Yeah. Right? Like, and just wandering around because he's not welcome because he's not strong enough. Like that right? kind of vibe, right? Yeah. yeah. And because, yes, they have might and brute strength, but there's a little bit to play around there as well. Like you may not have to actually fight them, but you probably will lose if you do. And I think that's the key thing to know is that if you do fight one of these, you you either probably lose or you're fighting the weakest link Mm -hmm. of a clan and that you are getting yourself into some fucking hot water. Yeah. But I think terrain is an important thing to mention because when we look at all the other giants, like again, storm giants are in caves. They're within the weird lands. Cloud giants are everywhere. 
and then fire giants, you're going to find them in mountains, which we tend to traverse on a regular basis as D&D gamers and players. Traveling into the depths of the cold yeah. is a very different thing. Because, like, I, I remember, I don't remember if it was in our campaign where we did climb a mountain. It might have been in one of my other campaigns, not with you folks. But we had to climb a mountain and we actually had to seek out the proper climbing equipment and things to keep us warm. Otherwise, we were going to die. Right. Because it's a whole different thing to kind of navigate and traverse. So that's kind of the thing you have to really think about when going either A, into combat, or even just exploring the idea of finding a frost giant, Mm -hmm. is you are going to be in the cold. Yeah. Right? So those are things to remember, is you're not just going to rock up to a frost giant in the middle of a field in the desert. No. They are going to be dwelling in the cold. Yeah. They're not going to come and find you. Mm -hmm. And then that being said, um, what are some uh, tips and tricks that you might have for people that have to role play a frost giant? Uh, I feel like, I don't know why, but I always go to somewhat slow-moving, gentle giants until you piss it off. Like, don't piss it off, but you get kind of the slow-talking, like, like, we'll try and talk to you in giant, even if you don't actually know what they're saying. Yeah. And just lumbering, slow-moving, like, has its giant, like, all its worldly possessions on its back. Yeah. Like, just a solo hobo rolling through. Will do anything to survive, though. Yeah. So, like, if you try and take its shit or cut it off or whatever, like... It's gonna come at you. Be what may. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) No, I agree. I think that's a big, like, key thing to think about is that they aren't necessarily inherently going to kill something that they think is weaker to them. Unless it is food. Mm -hmm. So if you're not, like, the deer it's hunting, if you are not the wild lion that it's hunting, if you're not the polar bear that it wants to take the skin of, and you're just a human walking by, it's probably not going to bother because... You don't have enough meat to sustain it. Mm-hmm. You don't really have the skins to make armor out of. Your bones are going to be toothpicks. Like, yeah. it's just basically whatever. I'm not interested in hurting you. But if suddenly you decided to show some form of feat of random strength because your barbarian wanted to be an asshole, yeah. it's going to be like, oh, 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 oh <laughs> absolutely, we're going to have a fight, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so you could lean into that deception, too, with your with your group. Yeah, like, I yeah. agree. All right, any final thoughts before we wrap up on our conversation today about frost giants? Oh, man, like, I I am a lover of frost giants, but, uh, or fire giants, but frost giants are a close second, because <sighs> they're just, they're super unique, and I would like to integrate them in a bit more if I can. Yeah. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's tough because frost giants are my favorite. They're my favorite, like just thematically, like just like weaponry, like the whole nine yards. I love it to death. However, the idea of trying to add it into a campaign where you're in like a forest traversing, castle dwelling, cave dwelling, like dungeon crawling, it's very hard to integrate them into a campaign unless you're specifically going through Storm King's Thunder and Mm -hmm. coming across giants of all kinds everywhere, right? It's so hard to just randomly have a frost giant to pop up. Yeah. So if you want them in your campaign, you're really going to have to think about the whys, the wheres, and the hows of these things just appearing out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you think about the campaigns that we've played in, we have fought fire giants. We have fought random giants. We have fought giants of all kinds. But I've never in my life actually legitimately encountered a frost giant 
unless I have gone to the top of a mountain. Yeah, that's into the, true. Into the ice and the snow or gone to the north. Yeah, that might be the one exception. Yeah. All right. But that is all for this giant summer special episode on Frost Giant. Stay tuned next week when things get a little harder with the only creatures we've run across that purposefully petrify themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this special episode of It's a Myth podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at our It's a Mimic. R slash It's a Mimic. R slash It's a Mimic. The slash, man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> for other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic where you never know what you're going to (laughs) get. You did it. Get my sober voice on. Yeah, I feel it, it. It it's it's meant that we finished today with frost giants because of ice wine. We really started with the white wine appetizer, went into the red wine the meal. Yeah, it was very meaty, yeah. shall we say? And then now we're finishing off with an ice wine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, been a good it's day. A wonderful day. It's been a good day. Um, and basically, it is just a sentient weapon that um. Uh, is particular to... Oh, sorry. <laughs> just trying to get my wits about me. Yes. I'm letting you think. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I also hear, like, hooting and hollering outside. I'm really scared that I the think, microphone is picking that up. I feel like it's out there next door. It might be. It doesn't look like it's picking it up, though. Okay. Great. <clears throat> so. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.